Pods, City of Parramatta Libraries podcast, where we talk about books, libraries, and everything in between. My name is Nissa, and today I'm here with my colleague Rachel. Hey, how's it going? Hello, Rachel. How are you? Good, thank you. Uh, while I'm here, we would like to acknowledge that we are here today on the land of the Darug people. The Darug people are the traditional owners of this land. City of Parramatta Council also acknowledges the present Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who reside within this area. Thank you, Rachel. So today we are going to be talking about fantasy fiction. So fantasy fiction falls within the broad category of speculative fiction, sitting alongside other genres such as horror, science fiction, etc. Fantasy fiction is set in a universe that is made up all fictional, and one of the main differences between a genre like fantasy and, say, science fiction is that science fiction is based on scientific themes so that even though events are unlikely, they are still plausible, which isn't usually the case with fantasy. Fantasy uses magic and supernatural elements. It may include things like magical creatures. It's, it has its roots in and will often incorporate existing myths and mythology. It also often features medieval settings. And Rachel, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but I'm not actually sure why that is. Something I probably should have looked at before this podcast. I just know that, um, yeah, I suppose a lot of medieval um, law has, like, say the Welsh, for example, they have the dragon on their flag. So, and then, so it's just this, it kind of just all correlates into, Mm, it's a bit spiritual, but also... That's true, actually. Maybe it harks back. I mean, obviously, this is something that the listeners out there can research as well. But I feel like that's actually a good point because back in the day, like medieval times, that was probably one of the last times, like before the Enlightenment and like scientific, like a lot of scientific research where people still rely a lot on myths and mythologies. And that connects to fantasy fiction, which is maybe, maybe why um, a lot of fantasy features Um, medieval settings Um, an interesting thing as well about fantasy fiction is that if you compare it to say um, another uh, genre within speculative fiction horror a difference is that um, unlike fantasy fiction um, the main idea in horror is to evoke fear that's not the case in fantasy even though both have supernatural elements so that's just one of the interesting differences between fantasy fiction and some of the other genres out there that sort of sit alongside it Rachel you are going to be introducing the books I am so today we are going to be talking about uh, Shard Daughter by Andrea Stewart published in 2020 by Orbit then we'll speak about The Unspoken Name by A.K. Larkwood also published in 2020 by Tor, which is an imprint of the Pam Macmillan. Uh, next one is The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Nye Vo, published in 2020 by Noor, an imprint of Pam Macmillan. And then lastly, we've got The Order of the Pure Moon Reflected in Water by Zen Cho, published in 2020 by Tor, an imprint of Pam Macmillan. It's a lot of Tor publications yeah, this and, week. And you know what I'm just realising? Possibly based on the names, we might also have, I want to say, a distinct sort of moving towards an Asian influence, perhaps, with mm. some of the books. Both of mine, complete coincidence, they both have um, 
settings that might be China, either are in you know medieval China or influenced by elements of medieval China. So that was very interesting. I don't know if that is one of my books. One of the, wow, uh, definitely the other one. Three out of four, though. That's that's a pretty big coincidence. That's yeah. just an interesting observation. Okay, Bone Shard Daughter. So, confession first up. I um I know I've talked a lot about how there are certain genres that I don't read a lot of because I'm not a huge fiction um, reader. However, in the case for fantasy, I was thinking about it. And as an adult, I think the only books I've read that can be considered kind of fantasy are Harry Potter and Outlander. And that's mm. it. Now, even with those, if you think about it, Outlander is like considered historical. Yeah, it's more on the historical fiction side, exactly. but it's got that fantasy spiritual element. Exactly. So, but it's only kind of related. And then with Harry Potter, of course, you've also got different elements. It's got a bit of mystery, a bit of this mm. and a bit of that. So, um, again, they're not a lot of books that fall neatly into like a like a category of being purely that genre. But I think it's it's interesting for me that I haven't read anything like that so far. The books I've read for this podcast are actually, I think, proper fantasy. So this is an introduction, for me at least, to the whole genre. And it's been very, very interesting. So a little bit about the setting. The the book Bone Shard Daughter, first up, when I started reading it, I got the impression of um, it being set in China during um, one of the dynasties a few hundred years ago. And that was based on the fact that they, um, you know, talked about an emperor. There was a character, the main character, the one we start off with. Her name is Lin. Um, they refer to older people as auntie. Um, the map at the very beginning of the book looks like it has Chinese text on it. But when you look a little bit closely, um, the text is actually in English. It just has like, I think it's been deliberately made to look like it might be Chinese text. Um, you also realise that the soldiers that they talk about very soon within the book, they're using female pronouns. Now, I don't know historically if they had, I'm sure they must have had some um, female soldiers, you know, in medieval China. I don't know if Mulan actually now thinking about it is based on some historical fact, but you get my point where, I mean, even now you wouldn't have like as many female soldiers, but it's very matter of fact that they go, oh, yep, you know, they're talking about a soldier and then they suddenly use the female pronoun and you're like, oh, wow, there's a female soldier. Anyway, so that's when you realise, okay, it's not, it's influenced by certain aspects of a particular historical time, but it's not necessarily set in that time. Um, so that's a little bit about the setting. Now, in terms about the actual characters, um, so the book focuses on a number of characters um, and the different chapters or sections within the book, they're based on each of their perspectives. Now, I didn't realise it at the time. It made sense after I finished the book, but two of the characters um, that were featured quite heavily, perhaps a little bit more than the other characters, I think they were the only two who had um, the narrative was from a first-person narrative. The rest of them were from a third-person narrative. But they are sort of all of the... Um, there are like about five or six, I think, characters who are featured, and the chapters follow that. So that was really interesting. You've got um, a range of characters, and I think that goes back to that thing with fantasy where, um, I guess, a little bit like science fiction as well, where you're building a world. So for that, mm. obviously, you need to have a range of characters. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that whole backstory that they have. Um, 
In terms of the fantasy or the magical element that features most heavily, you get that from the title. So the title is The Bone Shard Daughter, and the term bone shard um, refers to a shard of bone, so literally a shard of bone, from behind the ear. And that the story behind that is that... Um, so I don't want to give too much about the story, um, although yeah, I have to give some context to um, give an idea of what the world is like. So basically, you've got this world. Um, it's you know, ruled, there's an emperor who rules um, a bunch of islands, a bunch of areas. I'm not really clear on what the map um, covers. So the emperor has a daughter. Um, very from the very beginning, you realize that um, there's this magic being used and the magic is called bone shard magic. And basically what happens is that there's a tithing system that goes on. There used to be um, these um, people who used to rule the area and they were defeated by the emperor's ancestors. And one of the ways I think they were defeated or how they've been kept defeated is by using bone shard magic. And what that means is that um, at the age of eight, I think, um, all of the different um, the domains of the emperor there's a tithing system. All the kids who are eight years of age, they are lined up and a shard of bone is taken from behind their ear, which can be a dangerous process sometimes because um, if they hit it too hard, um, you know, the, there could be brain damage. But anyway, so the soldiers line them all up, take a bit of um, the shard of bone. And with that shard of bone, the emperor is... Um, he creates these things called constructs. And the constructs are these magical beings. They could be made up of different parts of living creatures um, to create these like powerful beings um, who follow all the rules that are prescribed um, by the emperor. So you get a shard of bone and you write a command on it. It's, it's all very scientific and like, you know, and how, like there's a special way to do it. Um, and then you write some commands on it and then you put it, inside this Frankenstein's monster basically that's created um, and then that sort of allows that being to move around in the world um, and that being is called a construct anyway so that's where that magical thing comes from um, one of the consequences of that is that while that's being activated that shard um, of bone it drains in some ways the life force from the person it belonged to. So it does cost them something. Um, and there's a lot of unrest because of it as well, because all these people at a certain point start dying or getting shard sick. Um, so related to that, there's a lot of unrest and um, there's a lot of fear from a lot of parents where their children are being taken away um, to have shards extracted or family members who are dying um, because of, there's their shards being activated by the emperor the emperor who is um over the last like few decades has removed himself from his normal duties and just stays holed up doing his magic and experimentation and his constructs are out there ruling or managing things anyway there's this whole thing so um the characters that we follow are from different walks of life. There's a princess, there's a smuggler, there's someone with memory loss stranded on an island, there's a governor's daughter and her partner, and all of their perspectives are given to take the story forward. And about two-fifths in, the narr narratives actually begin to intersect, and you see um, that there are connections being established between the different characters, or you discover existing um, connections between them. Now, 
the title, the meaning of the title didn't dawn on me about until about halfway through the book. And I can't believe I didn't pick up on it. Now, I'm not going to explain <laughs> what that is. Um, maybe people will see through it, but I just, I didn't pick up on it at all until halfway through and I connected a few different things and went, oh my God, okay, that's what the title means. So that was really interesting for me. Um, the book is long. It's 435. Rachel, you read fantasy definitely more than I do. Is that standard? Yeah, that's standard. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> My book is about exactly the same wow. pages. See, the reason why – one thing that helped me get into it was because I read it when I was stuck at home and it was really, really – like the, it, there was a – it was raining so much. There was really nothing else to do. And I think that reading it um, while it was raining outside just helped create this mood and this atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And it really helped, I think, with this whole magical feeling thing for me and believing in this like little – um, world that had been created. I think just because of this thing where sometimes when it rains, I feel like it's this like this magical veil that goes yeah, over everything. I get that. And for me, that tied in well with this. So it was perfect, a complete coincidence, but absolutely perfect. Um, so once I started getting into it, I really enjoyed the book. Um, it's actually the first book in a series, and the series is called Drowning Empire. And I didn't realize the title until I was making these notes, and I'm like oh my gosh, okay, the title actually reveals something about how I think the series is going to go, which does disappoint me a bit. I didn't want to know. And I'm like, ooh, okay. (laughs) I wish I didn't know that, but I guess that was unavoidable. And the second book, Bone Shard Emperor, is going to be published late this year. Um, And also after reading that, oh, it's called Bone Shard Emperor, that also gives me an idea about what the book is going to be about. So... I don't know how I feel. You know what? I kind of wish they wouldn't reveal the titles of books. (laughs) Like, give it something else until closer, because you know how it's going to go then. Um, But that's just a little aside. Anyway, book, I would definitely recommend it. Like, if anyone's not a big um, fantasy reader, if they can find a few days off to dedicate to it to get into the world, totally worth it. It's well done. Um, I was talking to um, someone else, like another colleague, about the book, and I said, look, it's it's really good. And um, because she is uh, a big fantasy reader, she said to me, look, it's actually considered really good, um, like a, a really good example of the, the genre. And I was like, well, I'm spoiled now. I don't think I can read any other. Like if my first experience is going to be this good, then everything else is probably just going to be a disappointment after it. But um, if I could rate it, I'd give it like a solid four and a half out of five really good book there's a lot going through like going for it i love the creativity shown in like the idea of um the the magic i really like the characters i like how they came together i like how it's going um so yeah good stuff all around rachel your book (laughs) sounds really good now i want to read it (laughs) wish i didn't give it to you (laughs) oh Um. yeah another thing rachel was the one who recommended it so full credit to rachel (laughs) All right, well, um, my book was called The Unspoken Name by uh, A.K. Larkwood. So this is her debut novel, um, and it's had stunning reviews. So Nicholas Ames, um, who's the author of the Bear series, is um, highly recommending this book. Um, so The Unspoken Name, like, I suppose this is one that doesn't really give away what the book's going to be about by its title, unlike the book that Nissa just had. Um, I had no idea what this book was going to be about. Um, turns out that the unspoken name refers to the god or one of the gods that's in this book. Um, so I won't go too much into that, but um, 
it is a story of sacrifice and what sacrifice means um, and the consequences of that. Um, you know, it's, you know, like, so often in fantasy or, you know, in medieval times and law, you would sacrifice someone to the gods to appease them. That's where this story is going. Um, and then the person that's being sacrificed doesn't necessarily want to be sacrificed or realizes what's actually going to happen and they change their mind. That's what happens in this story. So it's one of those, you know, it starts out pretty, um, you, know, you know where it's going, but then it twists, which is really good. Um, what I liked about this book is the world building. It's very complex though. Um, it will take you a while to get your head around it, especially with all the names. Um, the main character's name is Kasorwe, but that's spelled C-S-O-R-W-E. I'm very grateful for the punctuation guide at the front of the book <laughs> that tells me how to say everyone's names. I still can't pronounce the name of the main city, though. That's Talantha Zip, can't do it. Um, but, yeah, so... Um, so basically, Kasowe, she climbs a mountain going to her death. And then at the top is met by a powerful mage or wizard and he offers her an alternate. And so she takes it. Like, who wouldn't? If you're about to die, you got an option. I would go with the other option. Um, but as as we later learn, like, like these gods are actually quite active in their um, in the lives of their followers. Um, they're very like their followers can hear them in their heads. They're actually they're very much active. So the gods remember and they remember that she she walked away, um, and so that's a lesson. All debts have have to be paid. Um, this book is a typical fantasy where you discover worlds that are very different from your own uh, with strange names, and obviously it's got magic, like as many fantasy books do. Um, so there's also a map at the front of the book. The map didn't help me understand how the world was divided. So I kind of came up with my own system. Um, it's kind of explained in that there's all these worlds and they're connected by gates. So I've imagined the worlds as kind of like countries. And then because they seem small, they don't seem like a world the size of our earth. They seem the size of a country in my mind. Um, connected by gates, which I'm imagining as Stargates. So if you ever watched Stargate SG-1 or Atlantis in the 90s and early 2000s, you'll know what I mean. That's what I'm imagining. But I know they definitely don't look like that, but that's how I got my head around it. So you travel by these gates to the other worlds, and then once you go through the gate, you're in a maze. And you have to transverse the maze to get to another gate to get to another world. So in my mind, I think of the maze as the universe but with water, like, anyway, you'll come up with your own version of how you represent this world. That's why I like about fantasy. Everyone kind of gets their own um, way of believing the world looks. Um, there's many different races. Some of the races have tusks. Some of them resemble large serpents. Um, they all follow different gods and goddesses, and that's from whom they draw their magical power. So... If they have magic, it's thanks to their god or goddess. And not everyone has that capability. Um, but it does come at a cost. So if you're drawing on magic, it's going to take something from your body. So maybe like eventually they talk about organ failure and things like that. Um, 
So you don't live very long if you use magic. Um, because of the world building and because it's so new and because it's also the first book of a series, um, it takes, like I said, it takes a while to get your head around, around it, but like also around the plot and where it's going. Um, but if you just stick with it and get through, it's, it's broken up into four sections. Once you get into the second section and finish that, you're probably good to go. Um, this book left me feeling that there was going to be a sequel, so I had to obviously look that up. And yes, there will be one. It will be out hopefully in June next year. Um, but the one thing I really want to mention about this book that I really loved <clears throat> is that there is no LGBTIQA plus depression. Op oppression, sorry. Um, the characters just, if they want to love someone of their own sex, it doesn't matter. Like, no one thinks about it. There's no separation anyway. It removes the stigma that our world and our society is oppressed upon this group. Um, it's not thought of. It's not discussed. The characters just follow what feels natural to them. Um, and then there is, you know, I mean, the main character, she does discover this in herself because, you know, she was due to die at 14, so she didn't really get to explore this area of herself. So as she grows up, she becomes aware of this, but it's not in a way like there's no point in the book that they say this character is gay, this character is this. It's just who they are. It's, and I think that's beautiful. I think that's great. Um, so, yeah, that is that book. Um, I definitely recommend it. Um, it's written by... Um, the author um, lives in the UK. She works at Oxford. Hang on, let me just check. Yeah, she started English at St. John's College in Cambridge, and now she works in higher education and media relations and is studying law, lives in Oxford with her wife and cat. So, um, that's such a beautiful cover. <laughs> I really have been eyeing it the entire yeah. time you've been talking. What is that on the cover? Just um... That's the tusk of the main character. So, if you imagine... Bottom two teeth, but if you had canines on the bottom two teeth and they uh -huh. come up towards your nose. Yeah. And then the main character, like one of her tusks, like gets removed and so it gets replaced with gold and uh. um, other things. And other people in that race like might have them with gold caps or some sort yeah. of inscription on them or something like that. Just to explain so. to the listeners, it's a um, it's sort of a, a dark, like a dark bluish grey, mm. would say, cover, and then it's got like gold, um, like a deep gold, right, like writing on it, and then that image of a tusk, um, which has a bit of gold on it too. It's just very striking. I think it's mm. quite lovely. It's one's a good thing. Fantasy always seem to have good covers nice. and they're very eye catching and draw you in. Yeah, yeah, they do their books justice too. Brilliant. So. Yeah, I think that's all I've got to say about that book. It's very, I really enjoyed it. I now want to read the second book and I wish it was out this year. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the worst thing about just yeah. discovering a book, right? If you have to wait for the next one. Yeah. Okay, that is brilliant. Okay, next we've got my book, um, which is a novella. I think we're both going to be doing novellas next, yes, aren't we? Yeah, my yes. a novella as well. So those of you who are very impatient, this is going to be short mm. and quick, I mm. think. So um, my book is a, as I said, novella. So a novella is a, I guess, a short novel. So it's um, shorter than a standard novel, but longer than a short story, essentially. Um, the novella is set in um, medieval China, or what sounds like medieval China. 
And it starts off with a cleric and a bird. Um, they are walking through this place. Um, it's very ghostly. Um, and the cleric is, I should clarify, is like a mystical cleric. So, And the bird can talk, basically. So this is already like <laughs> very supernatural. Um, and they come across a ghostly funeral possession, uh, procession sorry, of, of the empress who has just died. So it's a funeral, it's a funeral, what's the word I'm thinking of, Rachel? I don't know. <laughs> Procession, I'm so sorry. I don't know what you just said. I know, but I'm, I feel like I'm thinking about a different word. Oh. They come across a funeral procession. Yeah. <laughs> and the funeral is of a the empress who has just died. However, it's a ghostly um, funeral. So I don't, um, I think they're all ghosts. Um, so, uh, and it, it's, it's tied into basically this area, which is populated by ghosts and everything. Anyway, so, um, they come across this and, um, further along, they meet an older lady who they, um, address as grandmother, but her name is Rabbit, or at least that's her nickname. And the older lady tells them a tale. Um, and that's pretty much the story. So she tells mm-hmm. them a tale and I, the story is basically... Again, because it's a novella, I can't recount the story without like just basically giving yeah. away the whole book. But the point is that the um, the story is about the lady herself. Her name um, is Rabbit, or that's the name she's known by. And as a very young child, she came to work for the then Empress. Um, and she stays with her for many years. And over the course of a few years, a few things happen. And that's basically, and eventful things happen, things that have an impact on um, the current empress or the new empress. And the lady, Rabbit, she tells this as a story over a few days, I think, to the cleric and the bird. And what I thought was that it was such a great way, like it's such a, a clean way to fit that to a novella length story. Um, because you're not describing like this whole saga across many, many pages. What you're doing is using someone recounting a story, which in itself is always going to be like short and condensed. And that lends itself well, I think, mm. to the length. And I thought that was a really good match, like the recounting of a story to someone else and matching that to the novella. So that was really lovely. I thought that was good. The story is about love. It's about loyalty. And there's a certain poetry um, to how it's written which I really, really liked. Um, It's very atmospheric as well. It has these sort of magical elements in terms of how it describes the natural surroundings. Um, So that really helped create this whole sort of fantasy element. Um, It's been described as having, uh, I guess, having feminist themes. But see, for me, I wouldn't necessarily, um, like I wouldn't categorize that as, like a feminist story just because I think it's pop in a, in a distant, distant way, I guess it's related to what you were saying before about how it has, it's queer friendly in the sense that mm-hmm. they just are right. Mm. And, and that's what we want. We want it to be yeah. unremarkable, mm. which is, which is when you know it's good because it's unremarkable now. Mm. I think that should also be unremarkable. The fact that this is a very female driven story, but for me, it's just a story. Mm. Yeah. It's got female characters, but I didn't really notice it. Yeah. So classifying it as a feminist thing for me i i wouldn't do that i guess i can see why some people would do that i wouldn't necessarily 
describe it as such because for me it's just a story about um, a lot of mate, like female characters um, and well why does that need to be labeled as something you yeah, know what exactly. I mean so basically that's my you only difference exactly that's yeah. my only difference here there's a really good line in the um, the book and I think it's been mentioned by quite a lot of people who've um, um, who've talked about the book um, and the quote is angry mothers raise daughters fierce enough to fight wolves um, and I think that was when I read it it was um, the cleric was actually asking Rabbit why she was telling him the story. And it was towards the end of the story. And he was saying, well, why are you telling me all this? Because one of the things the cleric does is he goes around recording stories and then all the stuff goes into the archives. And he was like, well, what you're telling me, this is going to affect the new empress, potentially in a negative way. So he was asking her why um, she was saying this. And that's what the answer was. Well, you know... Um, that, you know, the empress will be fine. So she's been raised to be fierce. And that was also something that was mentioned earlier in the book um, when Rabbit found out about the existence of the empress. Someone else told that to her. So I think perhaps because of that element where we're talking about, um, like pointing out the strength of daughters, perhaps that's where that feminist connection comes in from. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, 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 it's unremarkable in that sense that it needs to be categorized mm. as anything that it was just a good story it's a short story it was written well um yeah it's written by i think her name is nye i'm sorry i don't know if i'm correctly pronouncing it um i think it's quite well regarded um the book so it is let me just see it is 118 pages long so it's it's a great one, even for like your commute. Honestly, I think you could do it in a day. Going that's, to work, coming back, you're done. That's what I found about my. I, honestly, my book that I'm about to talk about. Yeah. I read it last night. <laughs> I did it in a night. It's done. So yeah, how many pages is mine? 160. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I guess that's a good one. Um, a good entry for you to talk about your one now. Yeah. Okay. So um, so the order of the pure moon reflected in water. Uh, this is by Zen Cho. Uh, she is a Malaysian fantasy author living and working in England. Um, this is another book about God and devotion um, set within a fantasy genre, but this one doesn't have magic in it like my last one. Um, but it does draw on elements of our world for inspiration. So there's bandits and nuns, there's war and worship. Um, what I learned about reading this is there's a whole subgenre called wuxia, Fantasy, I'm possibly, I'm definitely saying that wrong. I'm really sorry. Um, but it's a term of fantasy in Chinese and Korean culture. Um, it refers to low fantasy. So a way to explain it would be it has like a hint of fantasy in that if you're thinking of martial arts, you can't fly if you're doing martial arts. But in this kind of fantasy world, you could. So that's the mm. limit of the fantasy in this. Um, and then the opposite is Xianxia, um, which is high fantasy, so it's all encompassing, all the fantasy you can think of. Um, so this this book has um, bandits and a nun. A nun joins a group of bandits, but they're not really bandits. They call themselves um, contractors. Uh, they're not the bad guys. They're just taking jobs to get themselves by, whereas the bandits are actually bad people um, in this. They call it a silent war. Um, so it's not very visible, but there are war factions and people 
fighting against each other, putting people in jail and things like that. Um, so what I liked about it is it this book is yeah it's really short. Um, I read it in one light like like I said, um, and so the only problem with that is it doesn't lend itself much to world building. Um, mm. So if you don't know much about martial arts, which I don't, you find the terminology hard in the beginning until you get used to it or unless, until you look it up. Um, but other than that, it's a great little read and definitely you can read it on the train and you'll have it done in a day. Um, what I, Another thing I liked about this book is um, even though it does refer to some gender roles and says things like women are good for cooking, um, it doesn't expect its characters to stay in their gender. So a male can easily become a female and a female can easily become a male. Um, so I don't want to give much away because it's a short story. Like I can't tell you what really happens. But there is a point in the book where the tale twists and I find it. I found it super interesting um, in that the gender roles, that's all I'm going to say. Um, it also puts a spin on beauty and the traditional beauty stereotypes of the genders. Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that in a bandit outlaw kind of story. Um, but it was a nice little twist. Um, and I think that's what gives this book its edge. So when you get to that point, you'll know it when you read it. Um, when you get to that point where you get that little twist, you'll understand where I'm coming from. Um, also, the cover art is beautiful. I was going to say. I love this book just because of its cover. It's beautiful. It's like a delicate painting, isn't it? Is. It is, yeah. And I'm just looking at the cover. It has like a. It has praise by Ken Liu. I feel like Ken Liu is following us, honestly. He mm-hmm. featured in our short story <laughs> one. He featured in our science fiction one. And his his now he's here. Is here. Yeah. <laughs> Stop stalking us, Ken Liu. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's a beautiful little book. Um, definitely. I mean, like, it's not... I wouldn't let a child read it. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some very abrupt terms. But other than that, yeah. Brilliant. Go for it. That's mm-hmm. great. I think I've got a really good selection um, this time around for fantasy. Thank you so mm-hmm. much, Rachel. Oh, thank you. Um, if you'd like to listen to more episodes of Parapods, you can find us on Podbean, the app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well or through Google Play. We also have another podcast show called Paracold. So that's C-A-L-D for Culturally and Linguistically Diverse. Um, You might find some podcasts there from the library in a different language. Thank you so much for your time. We'll be signing off. This is Nissa and Rachel. We'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Material presented in this podcast is for general information only. Any opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the guest speaker do not necessarily represent the views of City of Parramatta Council. City of Parramatta Council is not responsible for any injury, loss or damage which you may directly or indirectly suffer in connection with this podcast.